Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com everybody welcome back to weird islanders the podcast a quick turnaround for us which is great uh my name is dan that is mike how are you doing tonight mike uh i'm doing the best i can with uh what's going on here in round two uh, yeah. but this is always a, a welcome distraction so uh hopefully we plan another one for for thursday and when, when it's game five and, and then saturday for game six because <laughs> these, these are basically the only things keeping me sane <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we don't need to talk about, uh, what's going on tonight in, in Manhattan. Uh, but there's still a lot of game left. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but we do have a welcome distraction tonight and a great topic and a great guest. Uh, you know, our guest from his work at Lighthouse Hockey, where he writes recaps and bits, posts and all kinds of great stuff. He is Steven Smith. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good, Dan. How are you guys? I am very well. It is great to finally talk to you. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, it's great to put a, a voice to the words, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we don't do a video element to this, so it's really voice. Uh, and uh, this is so this is your first ever podcast. Is that is that true? Yes. First ever podcast appearance. And I'm very excited wow. and then a little nervous, but uh, it should be fun talking about <laughs> a great, weird eye on there today. Yes. Yeah. Nah, I mean, if anybody, trust me, if, if we can do oh, well over 200 podcast episodes, anybody can do a podcast. They're very simple. So there's no reason to. I mean, it. I mean, it makes sense to feel that kind of pressure with, with the guy we're talking about tonight. So it's, <laughs> no, it's exactly. a huge, That's true. huge responsibility. That is true. 
Yes, there's a lot to live up to. Uh, and so without any further ado, uh, Steve, why don't you introduce tonight's topic for Weird Islanders, the podcast? Okay, so tonight's Weird Islander is Weird Franz himself, Valtteri Filippola. That is right. That is right. The man himself, Weird Franz. I used to call him Iceman because of his uncanny resemblance to 1986 Val Kilmer, Valtteri Filippola. Um, this is a great pick. First of all, thank you for picking one guy because we've had a lot of great episodes lately that have all involved more than one guy, and it's great to get back to just the single, the single weird islander. But this guy uh, could not have been a better choice because he's first of all he's very recent. Like other than Travis Ajak, he's the most recent one, but uh, that we've done. But like he, in a lot of ways, is kind of like one of the reasons why this podcast exists because he. It was so weird having him there, but weirder still was that like we we really enjoyed having him on the Islanders, and he was really good. So like, what what made you pick Valtteri Filppula off of uh, our giant list of weird Islanders? Yeah, there was um, so many to pick from, but not as many in like the last decade. Where I like, I mean, I've always been a serious Islander fan, but like um, like covering the team in the last five years, I've gotten even more in depth, and uh, it's been a lot of the same guys recently. Um, and like, I know other than like, like Philip, I know he was on that team in 1819, but that's like the only thing I could remember about him <laughs> off the top of my head being an Islander. Um, as I, as I went back and like watched, uh, videos and highlights of him and like saw tweets about him and stuff, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that. But, um, yeah, it was, and that, and, uh, he also like his arrival was like the first season of trots. So, uh, every, we'd like. You know, we were expecting uh, not a great team, maybe um, like a mushy middle team because they had trots, <laughs> but like not a good roster, it seemed like. And then they like pleasantly surprised all of us and it was like a honeymoon phase. So <laughs> I always look back on his time fondly, even though I don't really remember much of it. <laughs> he, he, he made he made so much sense when you look back on it for that team. Like like you said, yeah. it was it was um, a team that wasn't expected to do well, a mushy middle kind of team who who. I guess the, you know, the, the now infamous Deadspin article where it's, you know, ranking mm. all 31 teams in the NHL from like best to Islanders. Yeah. So I guess even worse than Moshi Middle. And, and Phil Pillow is perfect, um, ended up being like the perfect uh, metaphor for that team in a way because everyone, of course, made fun of the signing. You know, here's Lou signing a 34-year-old guy with, with, with bad underlying metrics, whatever you want to say. And um with a he no move up, clause, he gave and a no, yeah, no, a no move. move. <laughs> but he, but he ends up having a seven. He scored seventeen goals that season, yeah. and and he scored. I mean, he scored in the he scored some big ones. I know he scored in the the Leafs game. I think he might scored at both the the first game in Toronto, and then maybe the game back in uh, the the two twenty eight game. Um, but that team, because of um, the way the Trots era has kind of panned out. For some, because of the two runs to the conference finals, of course, there was a whole global pandemic in between Strats's first season uh, and and his last, and um, that we kind of lose sight over just how enjoyable that first season was and how it, how good it felt to kind of just shove, tell everyone to shove it. Um, <laughs> and 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 Phil Pula was a perfect foil for that because he was he was like a guy who, oh, you want to make fun of us for Valtteri Filippola? Here's 17 goals that he just scored. He's a perfect third-line center um, for, for this team. And just, I mean, handsome as all hell. Mm. He he just, I mean, look when you look back on that team now, you think, like, 
there are going to be more weird Islanders from from that roster. Um, more than you you'd think there were because you you think of that team as being like a you know, when we think of weird Islanders we think of teams of you know from 2010 and 11 when when you get you know Brian Ralston or or the Vanek situation mm-hmm. usually it's a bad team and, and just a random guy on it um, not, not not a team like that where it's it's all everybody on it becomes these beloved guys but you know that 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 team when you look at that roster is now kind of there's like a handful of them mm. uh, that kind of stand out as, as as weird ones and i would say this guy phil Pula, is probably the one who provided the, the most oomph the most production and the most you know, good memories out of out of the weird the weird ones on that team mm. i mean the other ones are like lucas pisa steven gianta like there's <laughs> Tom Kunakel, like there there there's a crew a crew of them right. uh, but but phil Pula, like was was good enough to to kind of almost graduate from weirdness to no he was he was great yeah, I mean, Robin Leonard is kind of a weird Islander yeah. too, obviously, because he only spent the one year. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, no, he 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 fit right in, and I think a lot of that was because he he was old. He was old when he came to the Islanders. He was thirty four, and I, I was talking to Steve before we came on, and like it never occurred to me. I'm sure there are other guys that are like this, but like he he really kind of saw it all in the previous bunch of seasons. He started with Detroit. He won a Stanley Cup second year. Lost the Stanley Cup third year. He put up a bunch of really good numbers. Is sort of like middle sixer. Uh, he signed the big free agent contract with Tampa Bay, uh, which was great. I remember when he signed that contract because that was one of Steve Eiserman's first big contracts as GM of the Lightning. And I mean, yeah, everybody made fun of him signing with the Islanders, but like when everybody signed when he when he signed that contract, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, all right, I see how this is. Like you play with a guy and then you become GM." And then you sign him to a big fat contract when you're the – I get it. I see how it is. But uh, his first couple of years, the first year he he had 25 goals that first year. And then the second year he was there, they went to the cup final again. Um, but then he just sort of fell off and he ended up getting traded to Philly. Didn't really work out. He spent two seasons in Philly. I thought it was just one. But he ended up playing 101 games over two seasons with Philly. But it's just his numbers were terrible. And that's what Mike was saying. Like the bad underlying numbers are there. And then he signs with the Islanders. And, and so like – is that right that he didn't he wasn't like announced at least at first like he just sort of showed up on a roster is that true (laughs) (laughs) that was that was july 1st which uh, july 1st 2018 which uh we all know what happened that day we don't do it but um (laughs) and then uh like at four o'clock they announced the Komarov sign or the Komarov signing breaks they don't announce it yet um and then at like six someone 6 p.m or something like that someone tweeted that they were on the islanders roster page on like their site and they saw philpola's name <laughs> and people were like oh is philpola an islander now and then it disappeared and then it was like okay uh and then um like staples like oh i can confirm that he is an islander but don't know how much and then like the team announced like the hickey Komarov, and uh mm. Philpola deals like at 9 p.m. that night or whatever it was. Oh, wow. In classic league fashion. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And so he was making, he got the no movement clause and he made 2.75 million that year, which is a lot. And I, I guess I, I was looking at that staple tweet before and people were like, oh, so this is like to get to the cap floor, basically. Like, yeah, I guess pretty much. Um, but uh, I don't know what the deal with the no movement clause was. I don't know. I guess he was just like, please don't trade me back to Philly or anything like that. But, uh, we all kind of forgot about it because he he right off the bat he played really well, and uh, so he did he really score the first goal that season too because I don't remember that at all. Is that true? Yeah, I, I did not remember that at all until I went back and watched. Oh, sorry, what were you saying, Mike? 
Yeah, pretty sure he did. I, I, and now I vaguely remember it. <laughs> um, and I and I want to say he, oh God, I want to say he he scored yeah the first goal of that game. Like I said, he was he scored like memorable goals because like the the, the the Leafs game and mm. some shorthanded goals. Yeah. Um, mm. And uh, he was just like for some reason he felt like he was on the ice that entire season because like, he was Trotz's you know kind of jack of all trades his, his right. JG Pajot before he got JG Pajot where he was like <laughs> I, it, me and you always talk about Dan like when when the Islanders would will get when someone comes to the Islanders the first thing Trotz does is says you know you're gonna spend five games with with JG Pajot <laughs> um, and for that season it was you're gonna spend a couple games with Valtteri Filippola because right. the guy just kind of he 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 doesn't kind of venture off script and but he always had a penchant for just showing up he scored a lot of goals from like right in front of the net where like the puck would just kind of be bouncing around um and he would just clean it up with like a, a, a roof uh shot but yeah he did score the first goal that year <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny of all people right uh and uh and yeah he he was sort of the jack of all trades and we're going to talk uh speaking of jg pajot we're going to talk a little bit more towards the end of this episode about what happened when valtteri filpola was not in the islanders lineup uh at the end of the season but uh yeah he i remember after watching the youtube videos i remembered the goal against carolina uh that he like knifed through eight guys and you could hear brendan burke's voice like did that just happen like really valtteri filpola and um that was just one of a bunch of goals he had uh had an overtime game winner which i completely forgot about against st louis which was kind of cool um, he had a two two goal games, which was really impressive, and he nearly netted the first hat trick of his career uh, against Ottawa. He uh, he actually had uh, it was very close, but uh, yeah, the goal against Carolina was uh, was really something. Like he just kind of slid through about five defenders and then just roofed it. Valtteri Filippola has some room at center ice, and he'll weave right on through, get into a good scoring chance, and he scores. of stick handling, patience, poise, and then the finish. Little pass up the middle of the ice. Komarov gives it to him. That's an easy assist for Leo, but he just hangs on. The defense just opens wide. A little fake, a little deke, and boy, oh boy, that is so good. That's the thing of beauty, as Joe Micheletti would say, and he'd be absolutely right as he lifts it up over the glove of the goaltender, Darling. So the best part of the Philpola signing is Dom's article at Lighthouse Hockey, which has a title of, and I quote, Islanders sign Valtteri Philpola for some reason. Now, I, I don't say that to make fun of Dom because I promise you that I said the same exact thing. In fact, I think I said it on Islanders Anxiety too, like Dom got it right. Why did they sign this guy? And, you know, he talked about how it was like a cap situation thing and, and it looked like this looked like a Garth Snow sign. Like this was the kind of move that Garth Snow would make. You know, they lost. John Tavares, and then all of a sudden, who's here? This 34-year-old guy that has had bad underlying numbers for way too much with a no-movement clause. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, it was like two months of that, and then oh my god, wow, this guy's pretty good. And he all of a sudden has chemistry with another guy who was signed that day, Leo Komarov, which is another weird thing. Like, how these two guys, I guess because they both spoke Finnish? I don't know. Yeah. Um, they, they just clicked. And they were really good that year. That was Leo's best year as an Islander for sure. And that includes the year he was, you know, playing on the first line in the playoffs. 
that was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that he the July first. I mean, if you put let's put the Tavares part aside, mm. you, the follow up part of July first was just hilarious because because I think Dom's title there is perfect. It was just this like you know everything was it was very nihilistic uh, mm. around the, the team for for those few hours afterwards because it's like oh like what's the point like this team is gonna suck next year they just <laughs> they didn't have a home basically right. um there's just nothing nothing really good about and we didn't we also didn't know or really appreciate just just what barry trotz meant having him as a head coach and mm. and lou lou to an extent of you know just having him kind of reshape the organization but uh so that day it was that was basically it like it was that was the attitude for everything it was Oh, Leo Komarov's here. Like, mm. who cares? Like, this is a, this is like a sick joke. Komarov. I'm supposed to get excited about Komarov, Philpola, Thomas Hickey, who, um, of course, we adore him, and then right. and then Leonard, who we would grow to adore. Like, coming a little later, um, just like every signing was just these guys where it's just you just like you're gonna give me the, this is how we're gonna mm. respond to to, <laughs> yeah. to John Tavares walking out to the team that has been courting him for that he said he was never gonna like that whole situation mm. this is how we're responding with Val Philpola and it ended up just completely working out and, and he was <laughs> I mean he's the type of guy that uh I guess a couple of years from now if, if he ever comes to an alumni game mm. you know, he, he won't he'll probably fall in between you know he won't get the you know Lubo Viznoski Evgeny Nabokov treatment but he'll be in that like kind of Nikolai Kulamin treatment yeah. where people are like no i really really appreciate this guy i mean right. he he played hard he played right and and he stabilized the middle of the lineup which was right. hugely important for that team yeah um and and you know now actually i think about it so the komarov and filpola is basically also like kuleman and grabowski like that was basically the same kind of thing like maybe filpola wasn't the second line center that grabowski was but like Grabowski unfortunately got hurt that first year, but like those two guys were really good and they stabilized the middle of the lineup for the Islanders. And these guys did the same thing. Um, yeah. I also yeah. found a goal uh, with a, uh, he had a two goal game versus the Kings and he scored a shorthanded goal on a two on O with Andrew Ladd. Goal of the season for Maya follow and Dowdy. And now a shorthanded chance for Ladd. It's a two on O. Ladd and Phil Pilar. Which, when you think about it, is also like the, the exact opposite of the Philpolis signing. Like, Lad signs too much. It's a big deal. You make a big stink about it. He's making way too much money. He's here for way too long, and he and has engenders no no love at all from Islanders fans. Meanwhile, Philpolis is here for a year, signs for relatively little, and makes a ton of fans. Like, it's just funny. I thought that that goal in particular was actually very, very yeah, funny. Yeah, and that was his <laughs> second goal of that game, too. Like, uh, <laughs> they, he ended up – actually, uh, I think it was a beautiful pass by Leo mm. from the corner, like, on the first goal. So, yeah. and it was, so like, it was Komarov and uh, Philpola all season. And like mm. you said, they just played with uh, – like uh, like Mike said, they uh, would just play with whoever was struggling. Like, they played with Bovillier, Kunako, Ladd, like, they just played with everybody and like just went about their business. Yeah, there was an awful lot of coon hackle in these YouTube clips too. I didn't expect <laughs> yeah. to well, see I mean, that. Well, there was it was there was a perfect kind of crew in the middle of the lineup. There, it was like right. to, to your your 
old your veteran guys with cup rings outside of Kamarov, but he, yeah. he's he's he he doesn't need the cup rings when he's when he can speak in tongues so you know <laughs> he, you got the 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 linguist and then the guys with with the cup rings uh in being the kind of chaperones for the middle of that lineup uh and they were football two became like the type of penalty killer in, in, in a similar way to guys, you know, like we talked about on uh, the mailbag episode of Islanders anxiety. Uh, so I think someone asked like, if you could have one guy kill a penalty for all eternity, like who would it be? And, you know, I think I said, Michael Pecky, you said Brian Trottier. And, and now I think about it, you know, Phil Pillow should be in that discussion. He was, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm talking out of, of my ass here, but I, I remember him being a very effective PK or a decent, penalty kill uh face-off guy and and then just a smart penalty killer you know type of guy who who never really fussed about with the puck uh when he when he didn't need to and he could move well enough he was like kind of rangy so he was like just this this guy that hmm. two two one game three minutes left in the third period the islanders need two points Tr- trots is tapping him on the shoulder and then it would either be Kamarov or kunakal like with, right. the, with them it was just this, this group of the the I, the veteran kind of cliche and like the old guy cliche with with Lamarillo really launched with these three guys with Kunakel, Filippola, mm. Kamarov. Um, you know, you can, you can even throw Spiza in there. Like the, the the that kind of trope of of Lou only signs guys past their prime and who have uh, you know playoff experience or whatever um, and and character and are good in the room. That really just launched with with these guys. Like in fact, mm. like when when people make those jokes about the Islanders, you know, signing, signing someone like that, like the, to this day, you get like a kind of your Islanders of your flash before your eyes and Phil Pala's, <laughs> his beautiful eyes are, are definitely one of the things that flashes before, yes. before me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. He had 132 minutes uh, time on ice that year, shorthanded, which is the second most of his career. Jesus. Uh, excuse me. Third most of his career. He had more uh, second year in Detroit, but uh, was yeah. he a shootout guy too? Or am I just, connecting the dots because of the number yeah. on his back but i feel I like he was know. i feel like he was he was a shootout guy as well i don't think i don't know if uh this yeah i don't remember if he was a shootout guy but he definitely like scored a lot of goals that looked mm. like the guy he's connected to uh the danish yeah. backhand of judgment um, <laughs> like on breakaways and like splitting through defenders and stuff that's another and that's another weird sort of lamarelloism too is that he even got the, well, let, all right. So let's let's get right to the France thing. We were going to leave him to the end. Oh, sorry. We, we brought him up. He's here, so let's talk about him. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that Lou even let Philpola have 51 because it's kind of like out of the Lou range. But I guess when you've you know had that many years in the in the business uh, in the show, you get that those kind of perks. But you know, it's not like people forgot Franz Nielsen when Philpola signed. We we're only two years removed from Franz leaving as a free agent, and here was a guy. Uh, European guy, obviously from a different country or whatever, but plays the same position, uh, just equally as smooth. Uh, I don't remember if he had any, too many shootouts, but uh, but again, like a jack of all trades type. And you know, for one year, we were kind of able to forget about the loss of Franz Nielsen, and he really stepped into that that role, which was really impressive. Now, what's funny is that if, uh, and, and Steve brought this up before, I completely forgot about this, but if you go back and listen to the Talking Isles podcast episode with Franz Nielsen, he talks about how he and Philpola became friends after Philpola left the Islanders 
to go sign in Detroit where Franz Nielsen had signed. So they didn't, I guess they didn't know each other prior to Philpola coming to the Islanders. And it's just so funny that he kind of immediately stepped into the role <laughs> vacated by Nielsen. Um, but, uh, but it was kind of funny. And so that's how he ended up getting the name weird Franz, because here's this guy wearing the same number, doing a lot of the same things Franz Nielsen did, but, uh, but just a different guy. And it was a very weird existence. I, I can't remember a time when that's happened. I mean, there have been a hundred guys who wore 16 for the Islanders and the only guy to even come close to like Pat LaFontaine is Ziggy Palfi. And even those two guys were very different players. They just, you know, kind of performed the same way. Other than that, I can't think of too many guys that had swapped numbers and like made you think of another guy uh, that closely other than, than Phil Bled and Nielsen. Yeah. And it was, it was weird when, uh, when uh, Phil Bled went back to Detroit and then uh, Nielsen actually gave up 51 yes. <laughs> and took 81. It was, then it was like, uh, it was weird seeing Nielsen with an 81 under <laughs> yeah, that, that, that whole situation just like it, the Islanders universe is so strange and mm. this, this kind of weird Franz, um, you know, joke or whatever you want to call it. The fact that it then manifested itself back in Detroit with, <laughs> with, with that situation, it's just, it just goes to show you that the universe was absolutely doing something to, you know, they were having some fun with us um, mm. with, with these two guys. And I think what you're saying too, about the two of them, being uh you know kind of they do the same things well and and like even if you think about the beginning of their careers uh i think franz is, is about three three years older or so than than philpola uh, but when philpola was coming up with detroit he was known as kind of you know doing a little bit flashier um than franz was but same similar thing like speedy rangy good on breakaways great hands uh, and a very heady player um so it's like it, it was almost as if somebody gave Lou Lamarillo just said like, Hey, you should, we, we should try to get Franz Nielsen back. And he said, <laughs> okay, but I'm just going to do it for, for half the, the price and, and, and not as many years because, uh, you know, we can't do it. Cause it's like, you know, you know, what would really cheer up the fan base after losing Tavares. If we get back, maybe the, like the most pound for pound beloved player of this generation. <laughs> and he said, okay, but, um, Let's just do it this way because uh, we can't afford Franz on, on that deal. <laughs> um, and and it worked out, like you said. And and he became just like the, you, you couldn't really separate him and Komarov at a point. Like it, it, right. it, it just became a thing where the two of them, every time that one of them hopped over the ice for, for PK, for a defensive zone faceoff, the other one was there. And when you think about the two of them, like they never – I, I mean, maybe they knew each other because of the connection to Finland or whatever from uh, you know, international play. I'm sure they did. And, and, and the, spec, the fact they speak the same language, but um, like they never played together in, in the mm. NHL, at least. So to, to kind of mesh right away with, with Komarov is funny when you think about the type of player Philpola was, who, who like Franz, like Franz was so quiet and, and, mm. and laid back and, and Danish. And uh, <laughs> then you have Philpola who, who was like, you know, just like a cool customer, very, once again, laid back, but, but like, you know, a little sleeker than Franz, cooler, yeah. more Hollywood, I guess. Um, yeah. Reluctantly Hollywood. But uh, and then Leo, who was like, <laughs> you know, like I, I can't even think of like a good comedy comparison. But like he is guy, his own comedy. comparison. Yeah, it's like he's just it's Leo like, Komarov. It's like you putting putting, you know, Chris Farley next to 
you know Matt Damon or something like that's that's how that felt and 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 it worked like right. I I I'm you know we were talking you were asking that question about Islanders switching numbers I'm trying to think of an instant chemistry between two hmm. New Islanders that that worked better than that duo because uh, it's really hard to think of I mean I'm just going back to like Adrian O'Coin and Roman Hammerlick well Letty like, Boychuk yeah. I would say probably yeah Letty Boychuk too like but like those are those aren't like those, those make sense, right? Like those, those kind yes, of, that's, true, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like these two guys didn't make sense. And it's just funny <laughs> that they just found, it's like, you know who it was like? It's like Kanopka and PA Parento. Like those two guys just became like inseparable and, and good right. buddies. And uh, that's why like this, this kind of crew of Kunakal, mm. Kamarov and Philpola are just, they crack, it cracked me up the whole season. Anytime Philpola scored, I was just like, oh, this is great. Mm. This is so funny yeah. that this guy is doing this. He had 17 goals that year. 17 goals. I think he was like fourth on the team in points. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's I'm, crazy. I'm he like, almost had a 20-goal season. <laughs> yeah, on like 78 shots, too. Like, <laughs> right. Shot like 21% or whatever it was. Wow. Because uh, I remember I remember that being another thing. People were like, well, this this Phil Pulas signing worked out great. And then, and then the, the response was, well, he's not going to shoot 22% for the rest of his career. Like, well, we don't need him to. He's 34. Right. Yeah. He's not coming back. Yeah. Like, we, it doesn't matter. But that was that was a, that was Casey Zizekas had twenty goals that year. Like yeah. the Islanders were getting production from just outrageous so- sources. Uh, you know, that was Bailey's probably Bailey's best year mm. or, or up there. One like, of them, yeah, yeah. Like because I think it was his, looking at it now is Barzell was first on the team at points. Then mm. it was Bailey, and then if you look at goals, you know that I would think Philpola would be higher on the list. But they had a bunch of guys with more than fifteen goals, including yeah. Philpola. Right. Um, so it's it's. Philpola had more team, points man. than Beauvillier. He had one less goal, but he had more points <laughs> in in nine less games. And yeah, that that twenty one point eight percent, twenty two percent shooting percentage is the highest on the team. But like you said, I mean, that's just more to just adds more to the legend, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And, and like, if if you look at this team I, now, I'm looking at the the games played. And like I said, this team, this team is sort of, we're going to, there's going to come a time where we really appreciate the 2018, 2019 Islanders <laughs> a lot more than, than I think mm-hmm. they do. Cause it, so many people will just think about the team last season. Um, and then the bubble run a little bit, but and then, you know, the pandemic kind of just like skews everyone's memory. Um, I thought that Tom Kunako played more than 36 games just cause the outrage about him being in the oh. lineup uh, is was just so loud, but mm-hmm. yeah, he only played 36, but Phil, yeah, Phil Pulis 72. And of course our, uh, our buddy Leo there, mm. one of, one of, one of seven players to play all 82. <laughs> Not surprising. Not surprising at all. Um, so in the playoffs, um, so Phil Pulis, speaking of, of games played, so Phil Pulis did miss a couple of weeks uh, towards the end of the season with an injury, came back in time though, to play for the playoffs and he played in all eight playoff games. Did not have any goals, and I was surprised. I kind of thought he had had a, a goal that year in the playoffs, but he did have four assists uh, as the Islanders swept the Penguins and then were swept themselves. And, you know, at the time it was like, all right, well, that's that was great. Like, we, we just love this guy. He was fantastic. And, I mean, I know I was prepared for him to sign again, and maybe not for quite as much as he, <laughs> he had. But, you know, I, I don't know if it, there was any – I don't remember any kind of like – you know, people complaining that, oh, no, you can't bring this guy back or any kind of signs that he was coming back. He was just sort of out there. And then he just left to go sign with Detroit again. Uh, I want to say that was uh, 
yeah, that was July 1st, 2019. Just as quickly as he arrived, he disappeared. And he went back to Detroit for on a two-year contract, like Steve said, got his old number back, and <laughs> now was playing with the guy who he had replaced on the Islanders. And uh, his, uh, his seasons in Detroit did not go well. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to use plus minus, but man, a minus 42, that's not good. That's a bad season um, for a guy who, you know, has been defensively responsible. So he was a plus 19 for the Islanders and then a minus 42 next, <laughs> next year for Detroit. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, that was that was pretty crazy. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's just funny. He's just like, he just came and went. But it was like, he meant so much for that one time. And the thing that I remember most about him leaving, A, that he just left, but that – the Islanders spent three quarters of the next season looking for somebody to do exactly what Philpola had done the year before. Like they just, they had no third line that year. They tried Ladd. It was Leo. I think it was Kuhn Hockel again. Uh, it was uh, just a bunch of, just a bunch of folks trying to like, uh, oh, they had Derek Broussard, obviously that, who almost came up again in this episode. Like they had a bunch of guys try and play that third line center and it didn't work. Oh, Cole, Cole Bardreau, played a couple of games that year. Remember, we thought he was going right. to be the guy um, until the trade deadline when J.G. Pajot arrived at great cost uh, to do exactly what Philpola had done the year before. So, like, so, Steve, like, what do you remember about that that era? Sort of like the absence of Philpola, it, it, you know, it was kind of like an enormous thing. And, like, you wouldn't think that it would co- it would come to this. But, oh, my God, oh my, I can't believe we missed this guy that – a year before we had no idea who he even was. It's crazy. Yeah. Like the whole summer, like I think if I remember correctly and I might be wrong, but I, if I remember correctly, I think there were like some murmurs that he might come back. Uh, like that the Islanders might want to give him a one year deal, but um, like, I guess he, like he got term in Detroit, he got two years. So he left and he's familiar with the team over there and everything. Uh, and I think Eisenman was mm-hmm. back there at that point too. Yes. Um, and then they must be really tight. Yeah, for Eisenman to have signed this guy to two contracts. Yeah. <laughs> and then um and then in August, uh they brought in Broussard on like a league minimum right. deal or whatever, one million dollar deal, whatever it was. And it was like, okay, well, I mean, he he he's been pretty bad at center recently, but we'll see what happens. Like I guess, mm-hmm. you know, they were trying to catch fire again like they did with Philpola and uh it did not really work out that well. <laughs> um I think Broussard ended up moving to the second line and then went on that like 17 game point streak. Right. Um, but I think the, if I remember correctly, the, uh, the whole time they basically rolled three lines, which is very not trots like trots is not <laughs> like to do that. I think that I don't remember who was even on that third line that year. Like, um, but they, they did not play much. And then, and then Peugeot came in. Right. Um, I remember too. Yeah, you're right. They did roll three lines because Sezikis was up there too. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, he's basically a third line now. Like he's like a third line center now. Um, and uh, who else was the other guy? Uh, I was just looking at, like I said, Bardreau. I think Otto Koivula got a couple of games in there. Yeah. Uh, Bailey is listed as its center that season. So oh, I wonder that's if they tried right. to- I forgot about yeah. that. That was fun. But yeah, it's just, it was funny. And I remember that being like a huge topic of conversation all season for Mike and I in particular on the podcast. Like, what the hell? This team used to have roll four lines, and now they barely have three. What the hell? Who knew that take, removing Valtteri Filppula would crumble this entire house of cards that the Islanders had built? Uh, and then, of course, yeah, once you hit the playoffs, like uh, 
Broussard had found a role and and kind of got on a roll there, and then Peugeot changed everything. So, uh, yeah, that was probably the second most shocking thing about Philippe's tenure with the Islanders was that when it was over, oh my god, what the hell? <laughs> we need we need that guy back. Bring him back. We were I was hoping they would trade for Franz Nielsen, but it never worked yeah, out. That speaking way. of trades, like at that point too. So before the Peugeot trade, Lou had been at the helm. Uh, I guess, and I guess the Andy Green trade. He'd been at the helm. Almost two full years at that point, and the only trade he had made was for Matt yeah. Martin. I think you guys brought this up on a recent episode, actually. Uh, yes. Anxiety. And uh, so it's like, okay, is he ever going to make a trade? And then um, I remember like getting notification from Elliot Friedman, Pajot to NYI. I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I was in a doctor's office. <laughs> I, was, I was on the train. I was, I was, I was going to work. And um, But when, one thing, too, about Phil Pollock leaving – um, and creating that whole, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the Nick Letty situation too, where it's like, mm. this, this shouldn't be that big a deal to fill. Like let, Letty right. at the point he left was, you know, serviceable, but not someone that's going to be really tough to replace. Um, and I just, I, if you had asked me, like, if you said to me as a joke, like, Hey, the Islanders are going to sign Valtteri Philpola. He's going to play for one year and then he's going to play in the NHL again. That's the season after, but not for the Islanders. What do you think is going to happen? I would just be like, Oh, he probably would go right back to Detroit. Like, and he just, it just made so much sense that this guy would, um, you know, end up back, back in, in with the Red Wings after a one year stint on the Island, uh, in, another one of these guys there's probably a whole host of them now that that we we mentioned on the show where you you kind of want to ask him what what he remembers about it because it was a magical season he played a part in it there was some really crazy stuff that happened in that season in terms of um you know the 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 fan environment like almost since almost like that 2000 uh, six seventeen, we talk about all the time with with you know Dubowitz and whatever, and asking those guys like, oh, do you remember like how crazy the run was mm. to make the playoffs? You remember the shootout with the Devils and stuff like with with Phil Pula, Like you'd be like, do you do you remember the the first game back at the Coliseum? Then the the Tavares game, the clinching playoffs on home ice, like the, this Penguin sweep. Like he, he, this is a guy who, who played with Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg, <laughs> won Stanley Cups with with an original six franchise, and then played a lot of minutes with Leo Komarov. Like I'm sure that the, <laughs> the, the the Detroit stuff is probably at the forefront when 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 he does his, you know, goes back home in Finland and and someone he's regaling, you know, other really handsome people with stories that <laughs> he will probably be talking a lot about those those seasons in Detroit. But then he'd be like, well, there's also this one blip. Mm. which which was really strange and i don't i still don't understand why the fans were so angry the whole season and why you know someone threw a snake <laughs> a snake on the ice but it happened and um you know it, it, you know penny first thoughts at that point be like what do you do you remember like do you remember right. how much fun this season was for us and um uh, because for like i said for a guy who who had a very very solid nhl career he's the prototypical weird islander where you'd ask you know you, you say valtteri philpola to somebody and, and you know it's like that that game where it's like i'll say philpola you say what word comes to your mind i think everyone would just be like you know detroit red wings or like yeah. blonde hair whatever nobody would say islanders i don't think anybody would remember right no absolutely yeah. not and i was I, like it's funny you mentioned that too because i was wondering like maybe i want i wonder if i wonder if philpola remembers that he was an islander like <laughs> he hasn't seen it all like he played eight playoff games with us and those were eight really meaningful playoff games with uh, for us. Right. I mean, even though they got swept uh, in the last four, but um, he, I, I was reading an article uh, leading up to this and uh, I think it was after game three against Pittsburgh. 
And he and Komarov had combined for a goal. And I think like one of the big takeaways was that it was Phil Bliss. 160 games or whatever at that point of playoff experience, like having won a cup, went to the cup final with the lightning. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he was, that was, that went uh, further than I, you know, definitely uh, estimated at the time. And um, at the time I probably didn't give that, that kind of experience, the credence that it needed. Like, cause I mean, you want like people, hockey, uh, 200 hockey men would say that uh, things like that all the time. And it'd be like, okay, uh, I don't know if I agree with it necessarily, but um, you watch the, the core of Islanders that at that point hadn't won anything. They'd won one playoff round uh, right. total um, watching them come out of that uh, and then get more experience over the next two runs. Like you could see that the, they uh, learned from their experience. And uh, I mean, to take it away from the Islanders for a bit, uh, Philpola's former team, the Lightning, you can see that too now in the playoffs, uh, unfortunately. Right. right. That's something we, you know, we've, we've started to bring up a little bit more that it's, it, it used to be almost like um, a pejorative to like be mm-hmm. like, you know, to say this guy's got playoff experience. Like it's like a bad thing. Like, yeah. And now because it, 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 it yeah, it became like saying grit or whatever, mm-hmm. um, old school, whatever you want to, whatever word that somehow became, you know, basically a swear word on <laughs> hockey Twitter. Uh, and so when you did say like, oh, they, no, they traded for this guy. They traded for, you know, Braden Coburn because he's he's got playoff experience. The Leafs love to talk about Jake Muzzin. He's won two cups, like right. same, similar stuff. But now like you, you, I think it's one of the main lessons I've learned from the Barry Trotz era was, you know, the stuff really matters. Like it, it mm. does matter to know like, okay, like there's going to be points in the, you know, in a playoff series where you're, you know, you give up a goal to, to, a, you make a mistake, give up a goal. It's one, one. And, and the, the crowd, cause you're on the road is just going to be going crazy and you just need to, to brush it off. And, and Phil Pula was like almost the embodiment of that. Mm. You know, the Islanders take a bad penalty, whatever the penguins crowd would go crazy. Trots would tap Phil Pula, win a face off Islanders clear, and they just would get to work. And uh, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I really wish I could just sit down with a lot of people who are really, really annoying on hockey Twitter and just be like, if you just, think about it it makes it's not a bad thing like, yeah. to, to have this stuff and, and like they almost tricked us into thinking you know thinking along those ways but we've we've seen time and time again that that stuff really does matter like yeah. it, it truly it's almost tangible with it was it was tangible with that team last year like it, it was it, like especially in that Bruin series I, I can remember so many moments where like the Islanders just wouldn't get phased by by situations Brad Marchand what like by the end of the series like they had completely snuffed out Brad Marchand and, and th- winning those moments really did go back to that, that first trots team with, with guys because of, like guys like Phil Pula um, and I guess Kunakal in a way, like these guys who, who kind of just instilled that kind of ethos on a team that, like, like you said, they had nobody really had won more than a, a round. And you look right. back now on that roster and, you know, Sezikis, Martin, the guys who've been around from pre, pre-trots those guys have won however many playoff rounds not including like the qualifying round right and then you look at the guys who left mm. um, from that core they didn't you know Val, Val Terry Philpola has as many playoff rounds wins since that season as John the John Tavares had, like has one <laughs> more than John Tavares right you think wow. about like, like that right like those guys never they left a situation uh you know going back to Franz and Kyle um, mm. and Tavares, I think even Hamannick, like those guys 
never won anything. Like they left the island thinking they were going to win, have a better chance to win. Um, you know, of course, that wasn't the only reason that they left, but I'm sure they all thought that. Mm. And it turns out that because of guys like Valtteri Filippola, the Islanders actually had the better chance to win because <laughs> they just had like these perfect role players that came in and replaced right. them. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that roster again, and I'm reminded that Johnny Boychuk did not play in that series against Carolina. Yeah, and I remember the year, the 2015 year, when they went to the Caps, the, the the first round, Game Seven of the first round against the Capitals. Two guys played well in that Game Seven. It was Johnny Boychuk, who had had a lot of playoff experience, and Yaroslav Lok, who had had a lot of playoff experience. So no, that's true, and, and you know I hadn't thought about that with with Filippola, but. Uh, but yeah, it's true, and I mean, I, I think there's a reason why they wanted to get him back in the lineup uh, before uh, before the playoffs uh, with that injury. But uh, but yeah, you know, I, it's funny, and I, again, I, he's a guy who it's such a fleeting period of time that he was an Islander for 71 games, 79 if you count the eight playoff games. That's it. That's the that's the entirety of this guy's Islanders career, and yet somehow he became super duper important. So. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if there's one particular question to ask, but I mean, like, you know, I guess, Steve, I'll ask you, like, I don't know, like, what what lesson did Valtteri Filppula teach you as, as an Islander, as as a guy who's about to graduate law school? Like, what lesson did you <laughs> learn from Valtteri Filppula? You it's will like take a thesis the, question. Yeah, right. For the rest of your days uh, in, in your uh, long and, and uh, hopefully uh, very lucrative law career. <laughs> um, the lesson that I could take away from Valtteri Filppula's time as an Islander is that <laughs> I am always wrong and I need to <laughs> wait to see things that happen. Like, as I... I definitely predicted, or I definitely felt that Phil Blue was uh, done when he signed here. Like watching him play for Philly, he just looked shot. Yeah. He wasn't the player he used to be, and um, yeah, I was I was very wrong. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a good lesson, right? Like, we, yeah. we, who won this trade? Think about like the Eric Carlson trade or whatever, like, right. like the Shea Weber for PK Subban yeah. and, and stuff. Like, we just won't know. We just won't know until these guys play and and. And no matter what, because like, everyone needs to have an opinion right away when even before the full details of a trade come through or signing, like people will just start to to throw around stuff like, you know, Valtteri Philpilum just made a ton of sense mm. eventually. Like he just made so much sense <laughs> for the Islanders at that time. And because of the season they had, he even he made even more sense. Like wow. he you could argue like they, they, they definitely don't have as a successful season without him because right. of just the, the many different hats he was wearing uh, and, and his timely goals and, and whatever. And we probably don't even know that like kind of, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg uh, right. because we probably don't know the little things that the details that he did um, for, for this team and uh, whether it's in the room or just things that we can't see on the ice. Cause we don't have those, those trained eyes, but I think it's a, it is actually a really good lesson to take from, from Phil Pula, which is like, yeah, if the Islanders are going to sign some guys in a couple months and you're gonna, we're all going to be like, oh, you know, I feel this way or that way. But if you take a deep breath, you think about Valtteri Filppula, you'll be like, I'll just, I'll just weigh in on this on February 10th yeah. and see where we are. <laughs> exactly. I'll be patient. I'll, I'll, uh, no more takes from me. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, stop now! Everybody's got to have takes. <laughs> but, he did, but he did. Like he was a guy that, like, I remember people being like really angry, and and yes. part of it, part of it, and part of it was the Tavares situation for the right. Islanders fans, right? But like even outside Islander dumb, it was like, oh, how could you, how could you sign this guy? Like almost like it was mm. like a, a, a slap in the face to 
to the analytics community that, that mm. the Islanders would go ahead and give Valtteri Philpil another contract when he, he his XG was was sub forty five percent for the Flyers, and you know mm. that is like worth worth sending society backwards. And then they probably all forgot that they had those. That's how they felt about Philpila, um, you know, 10 minutes later and never checked back in on him. And well, we really just enjoyed the hell out of him. Yeah, that's exactly the truth. Like, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's no other better way to put it, I guess. <laughs> it's just, uh, everybody takes these things very personally. And then they take it personally. Then, then they take the player in personally over the course of time, you know, when he becomes a fan favorite. So there you go. Um, well, this has been a lot of fun. And I mean... Where else can you find 45 minutes on one season of Valtteri Philpola? Nowhere else <laughs> but Weird Islanders, the podcast. Steve, now you've completed your first ever podcast appearance. Now you have that experience. Now yes. you can go be the experience to somebody else on their first podcast yeah. experience. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, exactly. Now I can go win a few <laughs> podcast rounds. Yeah. It's a nice postscript, <laughs> though. I want to say that um, Leo and Philpola uh, both played for Team Finland this past Olympics back uh, mm. in February. Um, and I think they played on the same line. I don't know for sure, but mm. they both won gold. Wow. That's amazing. There you go. Going out of champion. And I guess we should mention also that uh, one of the other cool things about this episode is that today, Franz Nielsen at the World Championships for Denmark played basically his last pro game. And uh, it, I think, you know, anybody that watched that video as an Islanders fan got a little bit misty, hoping to see him at UBS Arena next year. Uh, and uh, we thought this was kind of a cool way to to wrap all that up and uh, say thank you, Franz, for everything that you have done. And thank you, Val Philpola. And thank you, Stephen Smith, for coming on. This has been fantastic. I hope you had a lot of fun. And I can't thank you enough for everything you do for Lighthouse Hockey because God knows that me and Dom are old and <laughs> we forget stuff a lot. And you and Jenny are right there to, to pick up our slack. So I can't tell you how much I, we appreciate everything you do for us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for saying that. And uh, thank you also for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, definitely uh, the best first podcast experience I think I could have had. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, well, everybody knows where you can find Steve at Lighthouse Hockey uh, all the time. So check him out there. Be kind to him as always. Uh, and uh, Mike, where can everybody find you? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a new Islanders anxiety. Uh, we made it through a couple of days without anybody getting fired. So I guess that's pretty good. Uh, but there's still a few more days left in the week. So uh, we'll see what happens when Mike and I record next week. But uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, keep the Islanders weird. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.